Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, Tyvis Powell, Jason Lloyd. Plus, ba-da-da-da-da, you're loving him, Mikey McNuggets. And so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show starts now. Booyah! Look at the Thursday fit for G. Bush. I mean, that is unbelievable. What was the inspiration to this? So today, man, I went, this is a Frank Lewis, Lucas top. Frank Lucas. Frank Lucas. This this is a th- this is a this is ten this is ten thousand dollar alpaca. <laughs> you don't touch this. You don't pack this. You block this. This that Browns you want alpaca. Cops? Yeah, you don't want cops. Hey, I hope it's Scotch guarded. Hey, listen, because you good. never know with something like that. And then I I, I I I you know I got my inner Pharrell on. I always love big hats, man. So shout out. This is Big Hat G, aka Runway G. What? Oh, run like fashion runway. That's right, fashion. I, I get I it. I think G looks like a, uh, a a game warden from South Africa going out for the night. <laughs> <laughs> going club right after he got off work. Hold on. So and here's the my, my my favorite. Oh, you got. Well, hold on. We've got glasses to go with the outfit. You can't. I gotta wait to put these on because you know. Once again, shout out to Bobby Brown. This is the Bobby Brown when he was married to Whitney. This is the first. <laughs> this is this is like '96 Bobby Brown. That's the Brown. crack is whack Bobby yeah, yeah, Brown. Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, gee. Gee. Okay, so here's the thing. Can I read some chat comments? That, well, I was top? just gonna say the <laughs> Can chat this outfit be topped. I, well, I don't know, perhaps, but the chat was the best it's ever been in the history of our show. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. when no, it was just a couple last of week. last week. Yeah. So, chat, I'm putting I'm putting the uh, the challenge out there for you. Challenge is there. We will, of course, read the best comments at the end of the show. There's already a couple of gems. I bet. I'll, and I want to hear some of them. Don't let us down with your comments. What do we have so let's, far, Mike? Let's just read a couple so far. Well, Steve Becker called him Crocodile Dungy. That's cold. That's cold. I don't think that'll be beat. That's cold. I don't know. There's, there's one more in here that has me dying. <laughs> we got uh, Cedric Bush. Oh, uh, Someone wants to know the hood cowboy. <laughs> Edward Zupon says only G. Bush could prevent forest fires. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, it. I particularly like that one. That's cold. Yeah, but Crocodile done G. Yeah. I mean, Steve Becker, yeah. kudos Becker. to you. I, he was waiting on this. He must have saw that outfit last night when I was putting he it He got out. some kind of intel because he's been thinking about that for 12 hours. Man, good, great. I got something tomorrow for y'all, too. We're going to end this Texas week. I don't know can be top. What if we go to the Super Bowl? Oh. You better hold back. Oh, I'm going to be in a Peter Pan outfit. <laughs> I, got, I got two more real quick. Two How about Tony Two Turns? Says G. Bush got that Cam Newton starter kit. <laughs> hey, pull the chain out. Yeah. It, oh, it is. Okay. It's like, you know, it's a little, like, and Creative Juice, last one, called him Smoke G the Bear. <laughs> Very good, uh, man. Yeah, Cam Newton, the, the starter kit. The internet's undefeated. This. Yeah. You need a bird nest next for Cam Newton. He has a bird nest oh, and all kinds of Cam is so far out there. Oh, man. He, uh, yeah. Before we start, Aditi, Bernie, true or false, but guys. Uh, John Fanta oh, also oh, from John France. Fanta. Shout out to Fanta. Calling the Cavs game later today. Man, I cannot remember a time. Where on one day, three coaches with the profile of the coaches that made moves yesterday. Man. I can't remember another seismic 24-hour period yeah. like that. Ever. I think yesterday was historic. It's crazy. Not even 24 hours. It was like 15 hours. Yeah, it was boom, boom. Well, I mean, yeah. actually, I think uh, the Belichick news broke 
early, early this morning. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it wasn't one day, but yeah, it was a span of Saban, hours. But and then yeah. I mean, I don't know that all three are Mount Rushmore, but two of the three are. And Pete Carroll's sure. one of only, I think, two coaches ever to win a national championship in college and a Super Bowl. So it puts him in rare company. I mean, yeah. I think Pete Carroll's one of the greatest coaches, NFL, you know, football coaches of all time. Certainly Saban and uh, Belichick. Are, I think so. I, I, and I would like to get your thoughts on this. For me, yeah. Belichick's the greatest coach in the NFL, and Saban is the greatest coach ever in college. I mean, in my lifetime, I, I don't know how I compare before my life. I don't, you know. Well, I, I know it would be is tough. Paul I Brown mean, the greatest coach of all Bear time? Bryant, Bear Bryant, for instance, had such an inherent advantage. When, you know, back in the day, there was 105 scholarships. They didn't yeah. get mm-hmm. just the best running back from Alabama. They got the best three. Yeah, right. Um, and that kept them from going to other programs, which kept other programs from rising up. But I, I don't know. For me, anyhow, and you can tell us in the chat, Belichick is the greatest to ever do it in the NFL. Saban, the greatest to ever do it in college football. And if you measure these things on championships, yeah. it's undisputed. Uh, by the way, you could, I guess, unless you, there's nobody else coming to me off the top of my head, you could argue that Pete Carroll is the best combo in the history. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the, Jimmy Johnson won a national championship. Uh, Barry yeah. Switzer. Uh, Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer was the one that actually yeah, won a national Barry championship. Yeah, but Barry Switzer gravy trained Jimmy Johnson. No question. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. He, I mean, Jimmy Johnson, you could put Jimmy Johnson ahead of Pete Carroll probably, but. What about Butch Davis? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that doesn't count. <laughs> um, what's, what's amazing is they yeah. were both on the Brown staff at the same time. Yeah. Do you think yeah. they communicated with each other? Like, Wait, hey. about, about the timing of all of this? Uh, no, about each other hanging it up. Like I imagine the, they did their close friends. Yeah. So yeah. And, and it seems like they communicate by ESP. They just look real grumpy. Yeah. They're like, the hey, same guy. Yeah. I'm hanging it up. I'm hanging it up too. All right. Talk yeah. to you later. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they just, they're joyless human beings. I mean, you don't think the Patriots forced hit Belichick's hand at all. Alabama, 1, 000, no, no, 1,000%. The Patriots, they did. Certainly the Seahawks pushed. Uh, well, Pete Carroll out. said as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure Pete Carroll's done. Pete Carroll made some comments yeah. yesterday that makes it sound to me like he's floating, uh, Flyers out there to teams that might be looking for a coach. Right. Saban's retiring, I assume. Saban, right? I think, of, yeah. of all of them, I think Saban is done. Yeah. I think the most likely to coach again is Belichick, and I think Carroll's in the middle. Right, right, if he gets right, the yeah. right opportunity, I think Pete would coach again. Yeah. He did not want to stop coaching. He right. said, I'm not tired. I'm not worn out. I can still do this. I'm going to tell you, Wild. I don't want to be morbid, um, but, you know, when you commit half of your life to doing something, especially Belichick, and you're definitely talking about Saban, you know, you quit, you quit doing football, you quit your routine. No, I know. And I know. You, you worry about you, what comes next. Yeah, because they it's almost like they don't have anything to, like, live for. It's like, especially when you've been at the top of the, the, the pinnacle of the sport like that. And not just half of their life. I mean, they're all 72 or 71. They're very close in yeah. age. Uh, th- you're talking about 80% of their life. I mean, they've been doing f- at football in some right. capacity since their teen years. What they going to do, sure. go on a cruise ship? Well, I do know this. They like the fish. I don't right. know about Pete Carroll, but I know Bill and Nick love the fish. They'll get together. Here's, I had an instant idea when I read the Belichick news this morning. Netflix comes forward and offers each of them $3 million a year, and here's the deal. They have to move into a house together, and it's just called Coaches. That's it, Coaches, and it's a reality show. Lord. And there's 50 cameras, that and we get crazy. to see everything about their crazy. lives, how they consume football now yeah. that they're out of it. I'd watch. Well, you also, you know, Belichick and Saban could do, you know, a Manning cast type of with both NFL and college. I mean, that would be great. It would be incredible. Yeah. I mean, the knowledge that they have. 
Okay, a lot to get to. Mikey, um, we've got some business to take care of before that. So what do we have? We do real quick. A FanDuel read and a winning ticket. Then we'll get into Browns, Texans stuff. But first, the NFL regular season may have wrapped up, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed mm -hmm. just by placing a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose for new customers. The best part about FanDuel? Well, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explorer tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best and easiest way to find popular parlays, and so much more. So make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. And today's winning ticket comes from SoLive, who turned $10 into $456.80 with a 13-part same-game parlay from the Sacramento Kings-Detroit Pistons game the other night. He had over on points, rebounds, three-pointers made, and steals for a number of different players. And if you have a winning ticket like SoLive and you turn 10 bucks into 460 bucks, make sure you send it our way. Tweet it at us. Send it to us via email to be featured on the show. And Mike, um, if, if there are fans and, and viewers out there that watch that don't quite feel confident mm. enough in their takes to place bets, but they love watching sports, and they appreciate our opinions and our thoughts on how things are going to go, um, beginning this week, we're starting a new segment where we're going to build a single-game parlay. It happens in overtime today, so if you're not a 499 member yet, uh, now's the time to dive into the top-tier membership. And it's basically bet with us, UCSS, us. We're each going to give a leg of a parlay. Mm -hmm. And if you like it, dive in on it and we'll track our results and we'll see how much money we can make over the course of placing these weekly bets on FanDuel. It'll be called the ultimate same game parlay. Bet with us, Jay. I like that creativity. I so like that. Make sure you do that and tweet at us at Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show at myself, Mike Lucas TV, Bulgy, whoever. We'll make sure you get your winning tickets featured here. On the show, guys, the Browns and Texans played three weeks ago in week 16. It was 36-7 before garbage time touchdowns came in for the Texans. It's not a divisional matchup, and it's very rare if you go back through the last 10 years of playoff matchups that teams who have played in the last three weeks of the regular season then matched up again in the wild card round. Different well, hell, the Browns the did it three years ago. I'm just It, it has happened, but right. it's not very common, yeah. especially for non-division opponents. Sure. So in a Bengals rematch. Chiefs did it recently. Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it doesn't yeah. happen a ton. But in a rematch scenario like this, where one team smoked the other team, Houston was missing some players, so was Cleveland, which side has the advantage in a rematch just three weeks later? So the team that got smoked, that knows, hey, what we thought worked, did it, and we got to completely change? Or is it the team that had everything work in their favor and then always to make minor tweaks? Bull, uh, GJ? In, in my opinion, there's, there's no advantage from that angle. I think the Browns have an advantage because they're a better team. I think the Browns have an advantage with having a more experienced quarterback. But I don't think there's any advantage from winning that game because you can't just say that both teams had injuries. They, they were missing C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Now, you can say the Browns had injuries, but the Browns' injuries, those guys are not back. It's not yeah. like Nick Chubb's back for this game. So that's a big difference. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people in Cleveland think the Browns are going to win. I don't think there's many people who think they're going to win as easily as they did the last time they played them because that's the quarterback yeah, that's they safe. have going now sure, is a, lot, is a better. lot better than the quarterback they had going in that game. So right. in term now, in terms of how the Browns offense played, I could, you could take something out of that yeah. in terms of the Browns defense and how they were challenged in this game 
versus how they were challenged in that game. I, I can't take much out of that. But So I don't think from that perspective, in my opinion, I don't think either team has an advantage. It, you know, stuff. I, you know, when you, I, I saw the question on the rundown, I thought about it from a perspective of going back to high school. We always play St. Ignatius uh, week seven of uh, the, college, the high school football season. And the year that we won a state championship, we came up here and we played, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's Dick's, no, it's By- we played Byers Field. Okay. And uh, they beat us 28-21. Um, and like, we were like, man, we kind of lost that game. We kind of got dropped out of like the national, cause we hadn't lost in like two years. So we got kind of dropped out of the national top 10. But it was weird because we knew we would play them again. And for some strange reason, we just had a bunch of confidence that we could win that game. Hmm. And we came out and we played at Kent State and we came out and we got them down early. And it was like, it was weird. We just, but everybody around us was panicking. Everybody else around us was like, my mom, my dad, everybody in the. In but the internally, net. you guys had confidence. Yeah, we just why? Had, why? I, do you know why? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, you're young and dumb, and and it was the first time that the, our junior class had got to play because we had the senior class with Mike Dawson and all those other guys, and they played. But we just felt like we we, we had a good we had a veteran quarterback. We, we had playmakers. We just were like, all right, we just don't got to make no mistakes because we were turning the ball over. And we got there, and, and it was actually one of the easier games. Now, they came back and was, was playing t- tough, but it was like, you, I, I don't know why. I've always asked myself that question yeah. in sports. Why it is interesting. do we feel confident? And it's just something that one so of those do, things. Do you think the Texans will have that confidence or no? Um, I, I think the Texans will have some of that confidence. And, you know, because they've got their guy because back. Because they got C.J. Stroud back. Yeah. And, and plus, they played and seen success quicker or, or more recent than the Browns. Mm-hmm. They just came off a win on the road. So now they got a little more, more, more confidence like, hey, we won on the road to get in the playoffs. Now we got C.J. back at home. Mm-hmm. We ready to go. Yeah, one, what they feel had to feel like was a playoff game yep. because it was essentially it's interesting that you say that G because as you were talking I started thinking about why that might be and oftentimes when there's a game where one team is a big underdog particularly in the big games where all the focus is the game plan for the underdog is what keep slow it, it down keep, it, keep close. it close keep it close why because if that game goes into the second quarter and it's a one score game you're able to now say to yourself, the pundits were wrong. We can play with these mm-hmm, guys. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the pressure starts ratcheting up on the favorite. Yep. We're supposed to handle these guys easily. And here we are, three minutes to go in the fourth, <laughs> and it's a one-score game. Mm-hmm. Stay close. Mm-hmm. And I think internally inside that game, you start to build on that confidence. Yep. And that can be a very scary thing for the opposition. Uh, my answer to this is the Texans have the advantage, and I really didn't think I I didn't think that it was close. Uh, yes, the Browns have the knowledge that they won easily mm-hmm. um, the first time they played, but the Browns are closer to who they were on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. than the Texans are to who they were. You didn't just take two players out of the Texans' rotation. You took the two players. Yeah. You took their playmaking superstar on offense, and he wasn't in the game. Clearly, the Houston Texans, without C.J. Stroud, are a different animal, and the Texans know that. So I think they will have an advantage. Now, the Browns do have some advantages. I think they have the advantage of knowing that Amari Cooper could have gone for 400 yards in that game if (laughs) they wanted. 
And they were incapable of making the in-game adjustments. Trust me, 13 minutes of the 15 minutes at halftime were spent trying to figure out what the hell to do with number two. Yeah. How do we slow this guy down? What are we doing? And whatever in-game adjustments they were making, and they did make adjustments. We saw that. They didn't work. Now they've had three weeks to make adjustments. Yeah. And they've had time to sit in the lab with the pen and the pad, as you like to say. <laughs> and you. They, they honed in on how they can slow number two. That yeah. may be their mission statement. And, and this wouldn't be a bad game plan. If I'm the Houston Texans, I am bracketing Amari Cooper. I'm oh, doubling you? him. And I'm demanding that someone other than number two beats us. I would do that too. Uh, and we talked about the run game. <laughs> Um, the run game is going to be pivotal because last game we played the Texans, we we didn't run the ball all that well, and they they had nothing for us. We just, we just figured out that we could just throw the ball on you guys. Now if they want a double bracket, that means somebody in the run game is going to have to do something, yep. and that means one of the receivers is going to have to say that's disrespectful, and I'm going I'm going to kill you now. But they're going to make us do but that. They're going to make you do that. I think that might be a, and I don't think that you're going to see a bunch of man coverage. I, the the move the double moves Amari Cooper was getting open on on first down uh, for those deep shots. I don't think they're going to run that. I think they're going to come with some zone uh, and try to make Joe Flacco read defenses the whole entire so a game. wholesale change. The whole uh, yeah. A couple of things. First of all, I don't even think, I don't think it matters if the Texans try to double team. I know uh, uh, Leroy's brought this up before. Sometimes the second guy just gets in the way. You're going against one guy essentially. And Joe Flacco is going to throw the ball anyway. We've seen sure. him. We've seen him throw it to double teams. We've th- seen him throw it to triple teams. Sometimes at peril, but <laughs> he, yeah. he knows Amari Cooper. He knows. I, I, I don't know if he's had any picks throwing the ball to Amari Cooper. I don't remember it. Maybe he has. Yeah, I don't. I feel like most of his picks have have either been to Cedric Tillman or plays where he's just going really deep down the field, or you, know, or you get some tips. Or the tips, right? Yeah. I, I I don't know. Maybe we can check that out, Mike. I don't remember him throwing a pick when he's throwing to Amari Cooper. Obviously, I, I can look into wrong. it. Hold on. Obviously, I could be wrong there. I, I think from the other side of the field, this is a very interesting thing here. Um, my my guy Cleve Ta, who has his own analytics website, he he um, made a very interesting point. The disparity with uh, C.J. Stroud. Most quarterbacks have a big difference. Clean pocket, muddy pocket, right? Yeah, not his this guy. disparity. No, no, no. His he's disparity. better. No, no. Well, CJ Stroud, not Flacco. No, I'm talking about Stroud too. We showed his numbers yesterday with a clean pocket and with pressure. Well, he's his. Throwing... And I was surprised by them. Show, you must have that wrong, Mike. No. Well, he's. It's. I, I know it's part of the five stats tomorrow. Steve, you take 135. He hasn't thrown any interceptions under pressure, but his PFF yes. grade's not better. Yeah, that was what stood out to me. Okay, because typically you, that's when you see young quarterbacks but throw look, picks. What PTA is talking about is the PFF grade, though. Right, yeah. right, okay. But overall, he, is not, he hasn't thrown any picks, fine. But he has not played well under pressure. And the disparity of his PFF grade in, uh, in clean pocket and pressure, I think, is the biggest disparity of any quarterback. Well, in the looking at that, it looks like it probably is. Sixth biggest disparity. Yeah. Sixth biggest Correct. Now, I mean, everybody's disparity is different. Well, but right. I mean, but but here's another thing: he's barely faced. They have faced very few teams that have good pass rushes. Very few. Yeah, he's I, faced. He's played essentially three games against good pass rushing teams: the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Jets. He's only thrown two touchdowns in those three games. He was awful against the Jets. 
He had a decent game. What week was that in the season? Do you remember? It was week somewhat 14. recently. Week I 14. Think. Okay. The Jets shut him down completely. Completely. They did. I don't know and, how they did it, but they did. And the, uh, uh, I, well, the Jets defense didn't play well against the Browns, but for most of the year, they played They've well. They've been very good. Um, and against the Steelers, he threw two <laughs> touchdowns and no picks, which is obviously good, but he was very inefficient. I think he only completed like 53% of his passes. And he was not good against Baltimore. He threw no touchdowns against them. That was the first game of the year. Yeah. So I'll give him a little pass there. Bull, but you... the bottom line is he has not faced a lot of good pass rushes. Right. The ba- the Browns have a great pass rush. The Browns, without a doubt, have the best pass rush secondary combo. And the Texans are trending towards their number two receiver being out. Noah Brown did not play yeah, last week. That's right. He hasn't practiced yet this week. Now, I hate, not that he's so great, but he's clearly like he's their Elijah Mitchell. He's not great. Yeah. But he, and he's probably even a little better than Elijah Mitchell. Well, against Pittsburgh, Bull. real quick, Jay. Go against ahead. Pittsburgh for C.J. Stroud, he had 306 yards on 16 completions. He burned them deep. Nico Collins wow. had two catches over 45 yards. He had four passes over uh, – five passes, excuse me, over 20 yards. Okay. His yards per attempt was through the roof. But, but inefficient is the way to ex- explain Yeah, but Bull, Bull he, I, he was coupling with what you said, how he yeah. hasn't done well against pressure – He's also done very poorly. If you're looking, you know, when Belichick looks at an opponent, what, what's their weakness? Where's the Achilles? And I'm going to chop at it. Um, his weakness is man coverage. We gave a state stat yesterday. Mike, if I'm not mistaken, is he 27th in the league against man coverage? Yes, and the Browns play the second most, most. cover one in football. Right, so, so right. I, I think that is a really interesting – because I don't know how much man the Jets played against him. I would I would imagine a lot. Mm-hmm. Right, well, but, they got probably the second-best secondary in the league. Well, they've got uh, certainly yeah. two really good corners right. and maybe one of the best corners. Yeah. I think that coupled with that pass rush and the fact that he has not done well in man coverage, that is a recipe for a very long day for C.J. Stroud. Yeah, he also uh, – according to this thing I was reading by, again, T.A., I want to give him credit for putting this out there – he, part of the problem why he struggled at times, even though, again, no picks, that's pretty impressive for a rookie. Very. But uh, uh, the problem is he holds on to the ball too long, and he's yeah. gotten sacked a lot. He, I think the Jets sacked him like five, six times. And he's, you know, not all sacks are created equal. Sometimes they're on the offensive line. Sometimes it's the quarterback's fault. Yeah. And a lot of his sacks, especially against those good pass rush teams, were, were his fault. Well, I'd guess the Jets got him a lot because they were covered sacks. Yeah, right. So and right. here's the wrinkle that's going to come. Watch for it. Everybody at home, watch for this. When I look at teams that play back-to-back or play twice in a year, I look at, I look at the coaches who kept something in their back pocket, Stump, little wrinkles that they didn't run the first time. Uh, I, I fully expect that Jim Schwartz is going to put Miles Garrett opposite of Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil... Good elite, elite yeah. tackle. Their best guy by best, far. Best guy. What they're going to do is they'll flip Miles Garrett around, and what they'll do is when you're when they're pass protecting, they'll bring linebackers and and bring from the, that side of the line of scrimmage blitzes from JOK or blitzes from Taki Taki, right? Or even safeties even too. nickel nickels yeah. and safeties. And we've they, seen that. And, and we want we they're going to make him make a decision and make them pass that off between the guard and, and may, maybe even keep a tight end over there. So if you get Miles Garrett one on one on the opposite side, that's going to make them say, okay, well, do we take Dalton Schultz out of this uh, this uh, this route? Do we, does he have to chip? Stay in and chip. Is he going to stay in chip? And that's one of the things that really help you because now you got the corners to stay sticky. Plus, you got Miles Garrett on a secondary tackle. Good stuff. Can't wait to see how it all plays out, Mike. Yep. One more stat, real quick, on Stroud in clean pockets versus the pressure. 
in clean pockets, 20 touchdowns, 70% completion. Here's the big difference, 9.2 yards per attempt. Under pressure, three touchdowns, 52% completion, drops 18%, six yards per attempt. Yeah. 3.2 yards per attempt, yeah. almost 35%. Yeah. Fewer yards per And those per are trends that pressure. all quarterbacks will show, but that's yes. a big difference. It's, it's yeah. a big difference, and it's common for a rookie. Yeah. As yeah, you get more sure. experience, you understand more. He's freaking out. Get the ball out of my hand and, and get it out fast. And, and frankly, we keep talking about the difference <clears throat> for rookie quarterbacks. His numbers versus pressure are phenomenal. But that's for rookies as opposed right, to right, veterans. Right. Sure. So Understood. he's still he's not terrible, but compared and, to in clean yeah. pocket, and he's definitely worse. And the works. Browns have been hurt at times by guys that run, running quarterbacks. They have. Now, C.J. Stroud's a good athlete, but he doesn't really run. I think he he's can. got 150 yards rushing yeah, this he year. He can, I mean, but it's not, not, it's not a big part right. of this game. Yeah, I don't think he's not a statue, but – he he moves. He uses his athleticism to 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 stay to move around the pocket, right? Not really to run, down which the is field. really what NFL offensive coordinators and head coaches right. want you to do. That's right. They've right. been trying to wash the run gene out of Justin Fields in Chicago, and it's slowly happening. Yeah. But his inclination, a lot of times, is no one's open. I'm going, and that yeah. drives offensive coordinators nuts. That's how you. That's how you get quarterbacks hurt. Stroud is a special quarterback. He's a special rookie. I'm not trying to diss him at all. I'm just saying he's not perfect. No. There's flaws, and as there are in most quarterbacks, and especially for a rookie. There's things sure. he'll get better at. But hopefully the Browns can take advantage of the things he's not as good at right now. That's the plan. We got John Fanta in five minutes. But first, a quick reminder that members, if you are a member of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show and you can become a member on our YouTube page, click the Join button. It's a buck ninety nine for coaches tier, four ninety nine for starters tier. If you're any tier of member, you can get texts from Jason Lloyd during the Browns-Texans playoff game on Saturday. You can sign up to be a member to get those texts on our YouTube page. We'll put instructions on how to sign up for that text line, but Jason Lloyd will be texting all our members during the Browns-Texans game with some insight from Houston for the big game. Guys, five minutes before John gets here, but the injury bug has plagued the Browns all season. The only team with more players on IR this year than the Browns was Houston, and it appears the injury gods may be changing their wins and blowing in the Browns' favor because they only have three players on the injury list right now. Cooper, who's expected to play, he sat out yesterday for rest. Tillman and Dustin Hopkins, while the Texans, that injury list goes on and on and on. None of their starting defensive linemen have practiced yet. So, for once, and Noah Brown do you feel like the out. injury gods are uh, in the Browns' favor here for the playoffs? I think they are, and I think it's, you know, I don't want to call it karma, but, if, you know, if you play 20 hands of blackjack and you're just getting ravaged the first 10 hands, mm -hmm. you don't walk away from the table. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the idea is my luck is going to change. And Over typically, time. if you flip a penny 100 times, the odds are, if you do it enough, like 100, it might be 51-49, 52-48, but it's never going to be 55-45. There's a 50-50 proposition. The bigger the sample size, the more likely you're going to regress to the mean, which is 50-50. I think it's the same thing with the Browns. I, I mean, nobody's keeping track and getting guys hurt, but it does seem like injuries come in bunches, and there's always a narrative for the team that wins the Super Bowl. Always. They were yeah. healthy through the playoffs. And yeah. the Browns are healthy now. Yeah, the, the guys, anybody that's gotten hurt in the last two months that was not a season-ending season injury – is back, except right. for Hopkins. Now, and maybe Tillman. Cooper's going to be fine. He's just resting. Tillman's not – if Tillman doesn't play, it's not a big deal. Right. I mean, you know, whatever. But he – Hopkins is the only, you know, 
guy you hope you'd have for this and game. And Cooper had said up. he could have played if yeah, he right. needed he's last gonna be, week. He's going to be fine. He's just resting it up. Whereas the Texans' top five defensive linemen have all not practiced. Now, at least some of them are probably going to play, but none of them are anywhere close to 100%. I mean, that's – you have – well, you have three – yeah, you have th- three of their defensive linemen there. Oh, now you got – Shell, oh, that, that's three defensive linemen. They're starting fullback. And Why you got that, Tillman on there? That's supposed to be Noah Brown. I oh, didn't okay. change that. that. That's a miscue. On so my Noah end. Beck is their ty- is their uh, fullback. Uh, their two defensive ends are on there. You didn't have the defensive tackles on there, Mike. Well, I only have five dots and I messed oh, okay. up one. So yeah. Anyway, their but, injury list so goes got, on and on. You got and on their and on. number two wide receiver and their top five defensive linemen all having practice now. I, you know, I don't know who's going to play, who's not. I'm assuming at this point, I shouldn't assume. You know, Pierre Strong practiced yesterday, by the way. I assumed he'd be out this week. I did, too. That was kind of a surprise to me. I didn't think he'd be out there. But So maybe some of those guys will play, but their D-line is banged up, and Noah Brown not playing is a deal because he's their second or third best pass catcher on their team. We didn't mention Delpit. Delpit isn't for sure playing. Uh, That's true. So he's the one guy that would be the exclusion to your group that you mentioned. That's true. He's not listed on the injury report because he's not uh, He's not on the roster. Yeah, he's He's not not active. But (laughs) Browns fans are hoping against hope, perhaps, but we're hoping like crazy. Well, he's practiced. He practiced yesterday, Mike, didn't he? I think limited. He was a limited participant in practice yesterday. They don't have to designate him until Friday and the active roster or not. So I'm not And they wouldn't until Friday. Yeah, right. So well, tomorrow they, we should know. If yeah. they activate him, he's playing. Right, most likely, yeah. Unless well, you wouldn't a setback. Unless there's a setback. Yeah, unless something happens out. in right. pregame or something. But, yeah, I would assume. And it, 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 You know, the fact that he's practiced the last two days, even limited, means he's certainly trending in the right direction. Yeah. So, we'll hope, yeah, and the Browns appear to be in Brown, good shape. Andrew. Browns, um, Browns have learned to play like this. The Browns, I think it, it's an advantage for the teams that have had the most adversity and continue to keep winning. Um, so you can have guy, you have a team who they lose a, a lot of their key players, and guess what happens? They just fold up, and, and they're not in the playoffs. Now you got a team that did have a lot of injuries. They didn't fold. Actually, they excelled in certain areas, got better. Now it doesn't. If somebody goes down, the expectation in that locker room is we've already had guys that are coming in and playing and got some experience. Now when you got the Texans on the other hand, who are depend that that's the problem when. Your best player is a rookie. That's the problem, right? I, I go back to the LeBron days, right? Remember LeBron couldn't get over Detroit, and it was just like he, he put the team on his back, and you had Drew Gooden and Z and Ira Nuble and those guys. It, it, but LeBron was the best player, and he had to take his warts and lumps and everything to learn how, okay, well, these guys ain't going to get no better. I need to learn how to fix my game and, and mold my game to make an impact because yeah. I'm that guy. So when you look at the defensive line being out, that's a massive thing for them because they they were already deficient. If you look across the, the you know the spectrum, they I don't give them any matchup. I think the Browns are better than them or slightly better in every area of the football game. Whether that's wow. O line, I give up D line. Whether that's the linebackers, the secondary, even the only one that you can say is even close is the quarterback. And you don't even really – it's a toss-up because the way Joe Flacco's playing sure. and his experience. Joe's playing better now. I, I mean, I would say Stroud is the better quarterback, but Flacco's playing just as well. Right. And I'd rather have him in this situation. So What's yeah. funny is Flacco is leading the NFL. Now, it's only been five games. He's leading the NFL in yards per game. Right. But if you use qualified quarterbacks that have started at least eight games, yeah. it's T.J. Stroud. 
yeah. that's leading the NFL right, right, right. And in he, yards know, per game. Flacco has more turno- turnovers in, in his five, five games than Stroud has all year. Which so. is insane. Now, Stroud yeah. missed a couple of games, but still, he's played the most. Browns, I think he's played 14. Stroud's played four, he's 14 and a half. He got knocked yeah, out on one. Okay. But the Browns, since Flacco took over, and this is the remarkable part of this whole run, they lead the NFL in turnovers. Makes no sense. They are defying laws of logic between what Flacco's doing and just how they continue to win games, despite handing the ball to the opponent more than any other team in the entire national football. League. By the way, did you find out if he was uh, if he threw any picks targeting Cooper? Uh, I couldn't find the direct, but I was I was going to mental math against LA. His first pick was thrown to Elijah Moore. That was a deep ball in the fourth quarter. Definitely not on him. Jacksonville, the pick bounced off Cedric Tillman, so that's not him. Yep. Against Chicago, he threw three. Two of them were to Tillman. I don't remember what the third one was. Who was remember? the one t- where he threw into triple coverage? And wasn't mm. one of them like a halftime Hail Mary or something, too? Yeah, that was. That was Houston. And then against Houston, Houston and and not, it, neither was. Against, I mean, I don't really ding him for that. Against you know. the Jets, a defensive lineman tipped the ball up in the air, picked yes, it up, right. went to the house. Yes. So, he, I mean, he don't. I, I would say he's that he got has eight, about. But we could put five on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, he got eight. I could say. And. and and two of those were bad picks. Like, I thought the bad pick yeah. against the Rams when he threw in the double yeah. coverage. That was bad. That was a bad pick. Um, he's had some of those. But. I think one or two of them, though, have been on Tillman for yeah. just giving up on routes. <laughs> we got our Guys, we John have a Fanta. very special guest now joining us. And real quick before we bring Mr. John Fanta in, a quick word from Jace Medical. I know we use sports to come together, escape the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk about preparing for real life for a minute. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Guys, this is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than someone in your life or your kids getting sick with a supply chain issue that kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll all be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a five-pack of antibiotics used to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, skin infections, among others. And this stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter today. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared for today. So go to jacemedical.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your first offer. And with that, let's go overseas to Paris for the one, the only, Mr. John Fanta. John! <laughs> you look hey, like guys. You look like you're in your bedroom, not in Paris. No, we're calling this game remotely. We're oh, calling this game okay. Remotely. But we are calling it from the NBA studios. So okay, I'll well, that, expl- that explains yeah, yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> Sorry for lying. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a Cleveland guy, how excited are you for this? I'm incredibly grateful, Jay. And, I, you know, in, in full candor, I grew up watching you host SportsCenter. And uh, you're an inspiration to me, as is Adam, as is Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I, you know, you're you're part of my childhood hosting. hosting. I remember when SportsCenter was coming up live. I mean, between cold pizza and then you doing live SportsCenter in the morning, uh, mm-hmm. your passion for the city of Cleveland speaks for itself and that's why what you guys do on this show is awesome as i've told adam and g bush before so well, we all appreciate it well i appreciate all of you uh because uh you 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 help me when i'm when i'm getting ready for a game i'm listening to you guys and and i love it so how, how exciting is it? it it's it's a thrill I, I i got the text message in november uh what am i doing on what's today january the 11th and uh, from from the NBA and NBA TV, and and they said, uh, you know, we'd like to offer you the Paris game, and then in the follow up text, 
Nets versus Cavs. It was actually BKN versus Klee. And, <laughs> and, and when I see CLE, there's not another CLE. And uh, <laughs> that, that gave me chills. Uh, it, it felt like it was meant to be. John, the, the Cavs are playing much better basketball. You know, we've been we've been down on the Cavs, obviously, after the way last season ended. But lately, they have found something here, and they're playing great basketball. So, and obviously, the Nets are playing well. And there's also been rumors about a trade with Donovan Mitchell. Who knows? So, there's plenty of intrigue for this game this afternoon. There is plenty of intrigue because the Cavaliers have won eight of their last 11 games. And those 11 games have come with Evan Mobley and Darius Garland sideline. And in those 11 games, the Cavaliers have the second most assists in the NBA. So they're wow. sharing the basketball. They're yeah. top five in three-point shooting in that span. And they're playing really collectively sound hoops. And it goes to Jared Allen, what what, what you're showing right now. He, he has performed at such a high level, seven consecutive double-doubles, guys. Had a huge game against Milwaukee, even though it was a loss. But this guy right now... Guys, since Mobley and Garland went down, Allen is averaging over 40 more touches per game. Wow. So there's something there. Of course, it's by need, but it's also J.B. Bickerstaff has, has this team playing four out, one in, and Allen's creating matchup nightmares. And and the Nets are shorthanded today. They're going to be without De'Ron Sharp. They're, they're back up big. It's all on Nick Claxton. Allen could have lunch and dinner in Paris here in this game. I expect them to feed him early and often. But what's happening is they're, they're relying on Donovan Mitchell to play in that point guard role, and he's handling it well. He's moving the basketball at a high level. And Max Struess, when Max Struess is making shots for this team and they're getting enough, I mean, who would have saw Sam Merrill for this team? Mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't have told you that that would have happened. I don't think right. anybody in the camp. Who, and nobody in the Cavs would have predicted for him to to step up with some double-figure performances and get hot from three. So they've got something good going for him. You know why? They're playing team basketball. Earlier in the season, there was only one basketball, and certain guys got to get theirs. 40 more touches per That's game. crazy. Uh, we, John, we looked at each other when you said that, and we thought, that can't be right. That's nuts. I mean, that's I in, that's in, that almost tells you that he. we knew he wasn't involved enough. But it, it almost tells you that he was barely involved at all, and that's a problem with a talent like that. And, Jay, because he's getting more involved, I just think he's feeling more confident. Now, the question always in the NBA is, will it translate in May? <coughs> will it translate in April? Sure. You know, when you hope that you're, you're still playing. And there's a huge jumble in the Eastern Conference standings right now between three, and, three or four and eight. So I wouldn't go too far into that, but I think to your point, maybe that usage, maybe those early touches, is getting Jared Allen more and more confident. I mean, seven consecutive double-doubles right now, and, and they're not just double-doubles. I mean, this is a guy that, that, that those stats don't even fully sum it up over what he's done in the last 11 games. He, he's raised those averages. And he's incredibly efficient. He doesn't take bad shots. He, a lot of his are dunks, of course, but he moves and he defends. I mean, that's the one thing with Jared is he 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 might have gotten out physical against the Knicks. There's not Mike. He did. He did. Right. He did. Donovan Mitchell said, as Donovan Mitchell said in the last week, look, 
He said, I know it's hard. And I, he goes, I know we all judge what happens in the springtime. But he said, Jared Allen is a dog. He comes in every day. He goes to work. He doesn't complain. He's a great culture guy. And I'm telling you guys, I'm working with Sarah Kustak this afternoon. Sarah does games with Ian Eagle for the Nets on the on Yes Network. Brooklyn misses Jared Allen. They miss him in a big way because he is a locker room guy. And right now, he's performing like an all-star. He deserves an all-star nod. John, you know, we, we talked about um, them playing the four-out, one-in. Now, when you fast-forward this thing till you get Mobley back, what are you going to do? Is it a thing where you got to split them two up? Um, maybe bring one off the bench to continue to keep the four shooters around one big? How do they, you know, how do they keep this cohesiveness in the ball moving when you bring back another ball dominant guard and another big that is kind of in the same mode as Jared Allen? Gee, Bush, isn't that the million dollar mm -hmm. question right now for the Cleveland Cavaliers? And, and by the way, guys, I just looked while, while you were asking me that question. Since Mobley went down, Allen is averaging 19 and a half points over 13 rebounds per game. Mm -hmm. And he's shooting 67% from the floor. That's one of the best marks in the NBA. What's the, the, the answer to your question is, I don't know. And that's why, the Cav that's why the Cavaliers are rumored daily to be exploring options at the deadline. Because the question now is, is, can this team, is this team best suited to have that core four all together? Uh, they're all talented players, but do they mesh the best for this team to go on a postseason run? Or do you have to put a chip forward at the table or two to try to get a unit that plays like the one that we've seen over the last three weeks, like Mobley. the one that's just won eight of their last 11 games. And, and Mobley's not that chip. The Mobley's the franchise piece. Evan Mobley's not going anywhere. I think there's a debate between Mitchell and Garland. Can they coexist? Mitchell's obviously rumored all the time, but I, I think the Cavs are exploring all options there on the perimeter. Mobley's not going anywhere. How do they figure that out? It's tough. You know why? Because neither Mobley or Allen are perimeter shooters. And so that makes it really challenging in today's NBA to figure through that. It does. G uh, games at 2 p.m. Yeah, you got to go. NBA TV. <laughs> Before you go, uh, we know you're a massive Browns fan, of course. Saturday against the Texans. Are you confident? Yeah, that's confidence. That's it. That's the answer to the question. 28, 28, 24. Flacco leads a game-winning drive, and the Browns are a winner. Wow. I like it. From I your like lips it. to the I'll ears of the love football it, John. I'll take that. That's I'll great. That. John, good awesome luck today, stuff, buddy. Man. Proud awesome of you. stuff. We'll be watching great today. Job. Thank Appreciate you, guys. You. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you, John. Uh, you got it. A little behind the Great scenes guess. story real quick. <laughs> Great so guess. So we texted John to set this up yesterday, and he goes, yeah, I'm in as long as I can bark. And I told you, I wasn't quite sure exactly <laughs> what John meant by that, and he delivered an answer. So I love it. You've yeah. been in Cleveland long enough to know what no, well, that I, means. I knew what it meant. I just wasn't sure if he was going to come through <laughs> the way he, he asked. That was and impressive. He delivered barking. an yes, answer. Carried it for 10 seconds. Yeah, he did. I mean, that, that was, was impressive. That was next that level. Was Is that the barking. best bark we've had on UCSS yet? That's the best UCSS bark yet. Hey, what's his story, Bull? How is he? I mean, I know you said yesterday. I think he's thirty or in his. I don't know exactly. He, I can't he remember. Looks he's a young like guy. He's a I mean, he, may, he might still be in his twenties. I, I, I mean, remember. how is he? What? How has he done this? Do you know? I don't. You know, I don't. I don't remember how he 
got his foot in the door. I, he probably told me, and I can't remember, but he has built his way up with Fox doing college basketball. Wow, yeah. he's doing, he's, and he, he does is, a great job. He is like, I tech, because, you know, I'm a, a St. John's fan. I'm not a die. I don't follow it as closely as I used to. Right. But they're good this year, and I watched the game last night. They played Providence. And so I text, you know, I text him all the time about saying, and he knows everything about college basketball. I don't, yeah. Like nowadays, you don't know that many people that know college basketball that well. And you know what, boy? But he knows everything about college he basketball. A, he actually is is very knowledgeable in baseball, too. He, yeah, he, wow. that, he, know, kid, he grew up, a kid, he's a young man. The guy grew up watching you, listening to the radio station. I mean, Where is he from? What suburb of Cleveland? Do you know? I don't know. I he don't remember. Saint, I think he went to Ignatius. Oh, did he? Yeah. He got married in the last year, I want to say. Impressive He's guy. a great young man. He's Very awesome. knowledgeable, and his presentation is great. I can't wait to watch him yeah, on the game later today. he does a great job. Yeah, he does a great awesome. job calling games. Let's get back to a little Browns talk here, guys. We talked a little Amari Cooper earlier. You guys touched on it, but he had 265 against Houston in the first matchup in Week 16. Let's start with this, then we'll get into how Houston's going to have to prepare to slow down the Browns' top target. But he hasn't practiced or played since the Houston game. Well, he's practiced, but he hasn't played since the Houston game. He hasn't practiced this week. Are you guys concerned, even in the slightest, that whatever heel injury he's dealing with will hinder him come Saturday? Or is that just purely rest veteran guy? I'm not. Get ready. I'm not. I, I mean, have zero concern. They, if the pain is intolerable or you know it, more than it should be, they'll give him a shot. Um, it's Amari Cooper. I'm not worried at all. Well, we, we got some stuff for that. We like to say, yeah, part of the knee club. If you part of the knee club, you already know. Yeah, <laughs> you there, already know what they there's got. A, there's an app for that. There, there's an app for that. You just download that. You be ready to go. You play four quarters. <laughs> yeah, he, I'm not worried about so it. I mean, I, I don't then. think it's anything we should be you worried just, about. Yeah. He said he would have played Sunday if right. needed. So. so you just said it, Jay. It's Amari Cooper. If and it's was, the playoffs. If this was another receiver who was just a random dude, yeah, yeah I'd be worried. Yeah. But it's Amari Cooper. This guy's, a, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but he's a pro's pro. And so I trust Amari Cooper totally. They have nobody. They have nobody that can deal with him. Their secondary is not that good. And I expect I'm not expecting to have 265 yards, but I'm expecting <clears> him to have a good game. Well, that I think was actually going to have over 100 yards. That was actually part two of the topic. Was yeah. you know, do you what? What do you expect him to do? coming off of that 265 yards, and I'm with you. That's like someone hits a four-home uh, run game, yeah. which would be a team record. Yeah. And then, you know, you ask, the reporter asks him, do you think you can do that again today? Right. Like, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Yeah. He's not going to go for 265. Trust me, right now in a meeting room somewhere in Houston, yeah. there's a defensive coordinator yelling and screaming over film and Xing and Oing on a blackboard making sure that their mission coming into this game is that Amari Cooper does a tap dance all over that defense again. I still think he'll have a big game. I think I he'll do. I think it's possible he could have 100 receiving yards and at least one touchdown, perhaps two. But just because he had 265 last time around, please don't make the mistake of expecting that again. See, this is the thing that that they have to be worried about is if you're going to pay attention to them like that, unlike the Texans, they don't have a secondary, you know, hitter, home run hitter. Mm-hmm. Right now, David Njoku is is the biggest home run hitter in the game when it comes to tight ends. And the fact that he catches the ball and runs past everybody or runs over everybody, is, is it just goes to show you the way the game is evolved. No longer. So what happened is you got safeties, right? The safeties used to be the, the big hitters, the guys that came up and punished people over the middle, but you can't hit that way anymore. So now the, the, the game plan is, all right, well, let's go to corners. How's about we, we rotate our bigger corners and play corners at safety and have and, and we could get smaller in the secondary because all we're doing is covering the ball anyway. 
Now you get guys rumbling around like a David and Joku who catches the ball in open territory. And if the linebacker doesn't get him down, you, you're looking at 20, 30, 40 more yards. It's, it's just one of those things where now the Browns have two guys that they can use. And if Amari Cooper is getting doubled, he still runs really great routes. But I, I expect David and Joku to play well. Yeah. And yeah. Amari Cooper is very good at every aspect of being a wide receiver, right? He may not be elite. But he's he's with the exception of speed. I don't. I think his speed is probably average. Yeah, I mean it's fine. But, but he, everywhere else, I think a, he is. He's a great route runner. He, hands, great hands. His his I, I, his football IQ is through the roof. He gets off press coverage. You know, easily. like he's the. But you know what? He may not be the fastest guy, but he don't he, get caught that much. He, yeah, and he uses his like he he just he's good at hitting like the angles and just getting a step here and there. Yeah. Because of his smarts, and most maybe most importantly, or or also important, is the fact that right now, even though he didn't play uh, in the Jets game, his chemistry with Joe Flacco is on point. It is, and and we went through it. I don't. We're pretty sure he's never thrown a pick, Flacco, a targeting Cooper. So, if I'm Joe Flacco, I'm like, well, this guy now, Njoku is great, and all these other guys. This guy's the, my best player. I want to get this guy the ball. So I'm expecting Amari Cooper to have double-digit targets, and I'm expecting Amari Cooper to have 100 yards and a touchdown. You know what's so fascinating, guys, is you go even go back to the year 2019 uh, when we had Odell Beckham and Jarvis. Go back further. You could go back, I would say, maybe 10, 15 years. The Cleveland Browns never, ever, ever, ever completed deep balls. There was no, I could count on my hand. Maybe Josh Gordon. Maybe Josh Gordon. It. You go back to but Bernie. Was, Bernie, Bernie yeah, was right. good at deep ball. But in, yeah. in Webster Slaughter, Reggie Since Langhorne. Back, it's really only been Josh Gordon, and that team sucked, so it didn't matter. Right. And, and, so, and it was fleeting. It, it, yeah, it right. lasted for that right. long, you know? And then you get now Joe Flacco. He comes in. He said a deep ball to Goodwin. He said multiple deep balls to David Njoku, who's throwing the ball deep. And Mark Amari. Cooper. I mean, so it's just like, it, it, it's this part of the playbook that's been opened up now that it's weird because I'm not used to seeing it. I think we all aren't used to seeing that. Like, we're not used to seeing guys, you know, take deep shots. We, we've taken shots before, but, you know, they always talk about it. Some of those deep shots are just generated because you want to put a flag. You're like, right, let's right. throw it up here and see if we can get something. Let you me know, give you another stat that we're not used to, uh, despite the complaints about not running the ball enough, but people are not really doing that anymore because they're throwing the ball so well. Me and Dave stopped them. Uh, <laughs> I know, we did. Bef before... Before Joe Flacco was the Browns quarterback this year, the Browns ran the ball uh, on first down 50.4% of the time, which was... I bet that would be high. Yeah, which is ninth in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, eighth in the NFL. Yeah, I would say that would be above the average. Since Joe Flacco has become the quarterback, they passed the ball on first down you want to guess what percentage? I'd say time? 55 to 60 percent. Seems like they're always starting drives. What do you passing. think? 55 to 60. Yeah. What do you say? Um, I'll go 77 percent. 57. Mike. I'm going 70. Not Ooh. quite that crazy, wow. but you're, Mike's closest. 65 <laughs> percent of the time they throw on first down. That's crazy. number one in the NFL. They throw the ball most on first down than any other team. And how good has their offense been? What, what, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And I'm gonna. When John was making the point in the Cavaliers game yeah. about how 
they've this is an accident that they figured out what Jaron Allen could, you know it was yeah, because yeah. of the two players that were injured right ball dominant guys one yeah. that plays similarly to him so they've kind of stumbled upon that and it might help JB going forward because now he knows we have got to get Jared right. more involved in the mm-hmm. offense I think the Browns and I don't want to say stumbled into this success I want it happened accidentally, but this is what Kevin Stefanski's been trying to do with this offense since the day he arrived in town. Why are they doing that? The play fake, and again, the art of the play fake, which has been kind of washed out of the NFL, particularly those that carry it out so well, it's working because when Joe takes that turn and hides the ball on his hip. It freezes the safety for a split second. You know, mm-hmm. Oft, mm-hmm. sometimes if the team is ready for a, a, a run-heavy offense, he'll even take a step towards the line yep. to start cheating in. What does that allow the Browns to do? That one step is enough for a guy like Amari Cooper? That's right. Oh, you just gave me a free meal. That's right. Yeah. He's going to run by him, and Flacco is going to get him. So just like the Cavs kind of stumbled upon this Allen thing and unlocked his real potential. I think what what the message of this season, whether it ends Saturday in Houston or it goes to the Super Bowl, yeah. the one thing that I hope they carry into next season and that Deshaun Watson has realized by watching this, damn, that's a weapon. By the way, that is a weapon and he's got to start using it. You know who is actually, de- I give him credit. Baker, Baker. Baker's actually decent at it too. Baker, Very good Baker's at it. Nobody, Which is, I, I think Flacco's has the success. best guy I've seen do it in years. You're right. I keep he's, bringing he's up Boomer Sizing. Boomer, mean, to me, was the best I've ever seen do it. And I've had other quarterbacks that I've yeah, asked Steve that Steve Young was really Say, good. Steve was pretty good yeah. at it, but everybody said Boomer made it. He spent he a ton of time at the crouching just right. Oh, yeah. Someone once told me that Boomer used to look at tape of his handoffs. So he could muscle memory what he does when he hands the ball off because the safety can see the shoulders. And if the shoulders are coming down, you know who then he's, you know, if, if he constantly does that when he hands off the ball, yeah. you've got to go that far in carrying out the play fake. Same motion, yeah. ball on hip, stand up, and throw it. And, and it, it's really, we, I, I used to think like, oh, you've got to be a good running team to have an effective play action, but you don't. Right. You really don't because the Browns outside of the Jet game, have had an ineffective running game. However, with Flacco. Bull, imagine if it did, this yeah, offense then it makes it even with sure. Nick Chubb as the run threat. Sure, sure, that right. would be even more. But here's my fear. Yeah. My fear is teams are going to get on to what we're doing, and they're not afraid of our run game. Whoa. And the defensive coordinator is preaching discipline, assignment, guys. When whether he's handing the ball off or not, defensive backfields carry out your assignment. Once you're absolutely certain it's a run, then cheat up and let the front. Take care but of stopping the run. The problem is that's, that's easy to say. I know it is. Right? I know, but you're going to come game, across, even if you hesitate for a millisecond. Just it a can second. Make a even if you don't even just if you can just freeze the safety right. for one second yeah. from helping deep coverage, that's and the he's difference. thinking run. Pro- so you're just you're planting a seed that can grow an oak tree. The yeah. problem is when all linebackers have keys. Their keys are usually linebackers' key to guards. Right, your defensive linemen usually key to tackles, and then your safeties look at your tackles and tight ends. So when you got play action, play action is just not really um, just for the quarterback. When you have your offensive linemen coming off the, the ball, 
and, 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 and imitating run blocking, and they're really run blocking But the up, thing is, they can't go downfield, they, they which now is one yard. Well, yeah, they right. can't go downfield, but if you're good at what you do and you understand that and you can put yourself in a position to say, okay, I, I just need to sell it in the first few steps, then that the keys is a, it's a false read. Right, sure. So false reads for linebackers are devastating. Pulling linemen, bringing the action back this way because they're taught to read wherever the guard goes, that's 90% where the play is. And it's a good point because if you're reading the offensive linemen, you said, well, don't go until you know it's for sure it's a running back. Sure. Or it's a running it's a handoff. Play. But if you're if you're looking at the offensive linemen, the key, you don't know. But I still think, like, run, like, like, oh, yeah. I know you said safeties are cheating and are looking at linemen, but they're 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 looking at the quarterback too. Yeah, they look. They're at following the, the ball. Yeah, and, they look, they and, look at the quarterback size. It, what it is is it's a big shiny lure to a walleye in Lake Erie, and when that thing is spinning and all the colors are flying. That looks like a handoff to him, and he knows what he's supposed to do. That's his time to eat and come up to the line and help with run support. And just if you can do that three or four times a game, yeah, you've got three or four opportunities for deep shots. We just got great news: Amari Cooper practicing today. Yeah, uh, what else is my else That is great. Uh, news. Only other guys not practicing: Tillman and Hopkins. So it looks like it'll be Riley Patterson. We talked about that yesterday. Yeah, we Hopkins already knew that. Off Tillman still in concussion protocol, guys. If the Texans do put two, three, help four guys on Amari Cooper to slow him down or at least attempt to slow him down on Saturday. How confident are you guys that Elijah Moore and David Bell on the outside, not Njoku, he doesn't count, but on the outside, whether it's Bell or Moore, can beat guys in one-on-one coverage and be a consistent, reliable factor in the passing game for Joe Flacco? First of all, I just just disagree with the premise of that question because it's not easy to just – you can't just put two, three guys on one guy. It just doesn't work that way. Otherwise, if it were that easy, we'd see it all the time against the best receivers, and that doesn't happen. So I just I disagree with the premise of the question. In theory, if the the uh, Texans can shut down Amari Cooper, uh, that's a problem. I mean, I have no I, I have a lot of faith in David and Joku, but I have I don't have a lot of faith in any of the other wide receivers being consistent in this game. I I, I think the wide receivers will be consistent because Joe Flacco is playing. If you look at it, I don't. I, when they thought about David Bell, he's caught the ball right. If he, when, it, when they throw it into Elijah Moore, for the most part, he's caught the ball. When they throw to David Njoku, he's caught the ball. We collectively have had a lot of drops. Now, that has not happened under Flacco. Right. And we were saying, is this a product of DTR throwing the ball a million miles an hour? Looks like it was. Because the drops have gone away. P.J. Walker had drops. DT, even Deshaun Watson to, so, had some drops with some guys earlier in the season, like, uh, like Elijah Moore and guys like that. So, for me, I just... It's weird. It's it's like, it's just a professional offense. It's just, and that's hard to say because I used to always ask myself, why are these routes never available when the Browns play? It seems like it, these guys are in a phone booth. Guys are all over us. Uh, it, it, we throw it into double and triple coverage. It was like, just to move the chains, it just felt like the Browns' previous offenses were just bottled up. And now you're starting to see I just, you know what, I'm going to run my 12-yard comeback route wide open. I'm going to run my – we could even get deep over a drag route to work. Now David and Njoku catches two or three of those a game. How, how do you explain that, G? I think the, the only thing that's different is Flacco. But you're right. You've complained about the offense for two years. Two. How it just has never resembled a, a, a really good, well-oiled passing offense. And Joe Flacco comes in, and in five games, all of a sudden, guys are open. He has multiple options on some plays for, you know, different receivers. Where in the past, 
it looks like there's nobody open and and able to catch a football. I, well, you know what? I, I just I've, I've gone back, and because I you know have all these games and all 22, and I went back a little bit during the Cincinnati week and was watching it. There are a lot of times where they're calling these same type plays, right? For all the quarterbacks, PJ Walker, DTR. Why are they working with Flacco? Because Flacco is taking certain things. He's taking that little check down. He's taking those little small routes that you don't really. The other guys are looking for big plays. There's times where there may be a guy coming open for 10 yards and they're looking deep to get the big play. They're looking for the big shot play. And the great thing about what Flacco does is if you've noticed how many opportunities you see either Jerome Ford or Amari Cooper have the ability to catch the ball and run afterwards. Right. And we, we weren't seeing that. Sometimes you just got to take that. And if you keep taking that check down or keep taking that, that little dump off or you keep taking that and guys are running, you know, after the catch, they're going to be frustrated. And when they get frustrated, they're going to come up and then you can get your deep So it's shots. timing, you think? It's timing. It's, the, the and that's a veteran savvy, just knowledge of the game. Yeah, just I, I don't know. Knowing that I don't have to get that right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna log that away and I can get the, I'm, I'm gonna come back to it. I'm gonna revisit it. Later. It's like a good chess player. Yeah, good chess player or you get older. You know what I'm saying? So you got a little expendable income. You start working, you get a job and you be like, huh? I don't really need that. I'm, I don't need that car yet. I'm gonna, I'll check on it in a, in a year or so. Yeah, yeah. And, and for a young guy, what you mean? I ain't checking on no car in I a year. Now. I want that today. But the older savvy guys like you go right back to that car lot. It's half the price <laughs> it was, and I don't got to finance it. Right? Yeah, right. So it just, it's, 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 patience. it's all about patience. patience. It's all you think about, man. And that comes with experience, and he certainly has it. Yeah. Um, I don't think in the end, though, the Texans will be able to shut down Amari Cooper. I, I saw um, I don't either. last week when, when Aaron Rodgers was, I think it was his last appearance because ESPN has said no more. Although I guess his, con- his contract, I found out yesterday, only ran through the regular season. But they, they asked him about Joe Flacco, and I got to tell you, his praise for Joe Flacco was effusive. He said, the, the, I think the question was, what are, you, are you surprised by it? He says, I'm surprised he's still able to do it, coming just completely out of the game for a year and coming back and still have it. But he said, I have always thought that Joe Flacco throws the prettiest football of anyone that's played during my era. Think about that. Mm, that's crazy. Some good ones played in the Aaron Rodgers era. Very and good. when you watch the Joe Flacco flight path and the spiral, he does. He throws a textbook beautiful pass. Well, part of that is he's huge. He can get his hand yeah, around the so, ball. Right, and, he's, yeah. and it's coming from such a high angle. Sure. You know, uh, I don't even think he's thinking out there. I just don't. You know, you know how you get to a point, and, and I, rem- I remember this, like, you guys would do shows, and, and, you know, Bull, you know this. You know, you used to do five-hour shows, and as you became a veteran, you, you, you could do a five-hour show by yourself with no guests and no partner. You, somebody be out sick, mm-hmm. but it, you get to this rhythm where it's like, okay, I got this scripted thing in my back pocket. Hour two, I'm going to go off on this tangent over here. And you're just pretty much going off, off no script. You're good. And when you start to play when you're not thinking – that's when magic happens. Right. Like, yeah. That's when the best thing, like you know, if loose you wanna, and free. If you want to be viral, just say stuff and stuff enough, <laughs> and be real with it, and you, it'll happen for you. So Flacco, when I see him throwing a the football, there is no, 
there's no intimidation. There's no negativity. It's like he's out there playing with this free spirit. Like, you, there's nothing. And, I, and I've seen that before and playing against other quarterbacks where it was just like, oh, yeah, we ain't winning this game. Ain't nothing we can do about it. Yeah, that. you can just tell by the confidence and the air <laughs> around the quarterback. He's got nothing to lose. No, free nothing. and easy. Free and easy. House money. If, if he plays badly and they lose this game, it sucks. Yeah. And it sucks for him, but it's not going to, you know, I mean, his career is already what it is. He can only add to it, not sure. really subtract. We have our next guest, and let's bring in Aditi Kinkabala after a quick word from FanDuel. The NFL regular season may have wrapped up, but there's still plenty of time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when they place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose, the app is easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including... Live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explorer tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best and easiest way to find popular parlays and so much more. So make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. With 